One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the show that wields the mighty power of the song story and the way music and songs become bound to our lives and memories as a means of getting to know our guests. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this week is Evgenia Radilova. Evgenia is an award-winning Bulgarian-American actress, filmmaker, model, fire dancer, teacher, and more who calls New York City home. She grew up in Bulgaria in a family of artists and creators, graduating from the National School for Music, where she studied piano before putting that aside to pursue acting. At age 18, she was cast in one of the biggest TV shows in Bulgaria called Masters of the TV, which she co-hosted for three years every night on Bulgarian National TV. She then moved to New York City, where she graduated with honors from the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Since then, she has appeared off-Broadway and is a lifetime member of the Actors Studio. She's appeared in a number of primetime TV shows, including Law and Order, Limitless, Elementary, Spartacus, and most recently, Blue Bloods. She's also done multiple feature and short films, including a number of short films of her own. When not acting, Evgenia is directing, writing, and producing work with her own production company called I Dare Productions. And she also dances with fire and creates shows all over New York City and L.A.'s cabaret stages with her company, Evgenia Entertainment. She's also a teacher and has spent time in China teaching film and theater workshops to kids. We met Evgenia through the Fort Myers Film Festival, which has screened her films in the past. And this May will screen her latest project, a feature-length film called Lost Cause like cosplay, which she stars in and is co-producer of. Hi there, Evgenia. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm very good. Thank you for having me. What brings you to Southwest Florida? This time around, I was a judge for uh, TGIM, for Fort Myers uh, Film Festival Monday Nights, and um, a lot of love uh, to that I have for the town and for Fort Myers Film Festival and Eric and Melissa and Leslie and Tom and everyone that's here. So you traveled to Fort Myers from New York in order to be a judge at TGIM Film Night. Yes. Wow. Yes, and also just relax for a week. And get out of the cold. And get out of the cold, (laughs) indeed. (laughs) Um, Have you listened to any music so far today? I have not. Hmm. Is Is that normal for you on a day or not? Um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes because I can't focus, I, I, I put a lot of attention to the music and it takes me away from mm. what I have to do. And if I have to do work, maybe I just play a meditation music. But uh, today I was uh, by the pool mm. and doing work at Melissa's house and I just didn't have time for music. Understood. And then you Ubered here. So was your Uber driver been listening to music? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So you grew up and were born and raised in Bulgaria. Bulgaria. How would you describe the musical background of your childhood there? Um, Well, I didn't know at the time, but we are definitely a little stuck in time. You know, things come there a little later. So we had a lot of the classics, a lot of, you know, Michael Jackson, a lot of pop. Mm -hmm. And also when I was growing up, that's kind of what I was listening to. So, yeah, I think that movies uh, nowadays is a bit better. You know, information travels faster with the Internet. um, But when I was growing up, it was a little less of all of that. When you were growing up, were the kids around you, was it Western music that you all wanted to listen to? Is there a local Bulgarian music pop scene that attracted you as well? Not so much. Honestly, when I was growing up, I tried to stay. I just wasn't in love with Bulgaria. You know, we had a lot of hardship and struggle and communism and corruption and all that. So um, I did like uh, more Western, uh, more Western. But when I came here, I started to appreciate what I had over there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, folklore. That is that is an incredible yeah, music. Yeah, sometimes you need distance to see. But when I was yeah. in Bulgaria, if you try to have me listen to folklore or the little dances, I would just cringe. I'll be like, mm, I'm not from here. I'm not from here. <laughs> and now I really, really appreciate um, what we have. What's the earliest musical memory that pops into your head if you try to go back as far as possible? 
Oh, I have that story. So my grandfather... Is this one of your stories? No. Okay, good, good, good. (laughs) My grandfather was a conductor and a director of operas, and he brought a lot of uh, Western operas, and um, that was a big issue with him and his work at the time. But um, he loved classical music. And when I was very, very young, he just played nonstop classical music. He played Wagner. He had an opera that sounded like this woman was being eaten by wolves. It was very, very emotional, very dramatic. And I do like dramatic stuff. So... I was literally smaller than the speaker, you know, it's like these tall speakers. And I was just hugging the speaker like this and crying. I was like, play it again, play it again, play it again. And so that was my introduction to music. My grandfather just um, introduced me to classical music. And also he taught me how to play the piano mm-hmm. and the notes, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, si, do. I don't know them by ABCD. Um, before I before I knew the alphabet. So before I knew the alphabet, I knew do re mi fa sol la si do, and I was going to piano lessons. And now we, they, my parents decided somehow to to um, get me to the National Musical Academy. Mm-hmm. And um, as we are sitting there with the um, boss of the school, you know, they're talking. Maybe she should begin studying here. How old are you at this point? I am six, seven, okay, eight, okay. like first grade. And uh, and there was a royal grand piano in, in her room with notes on it. So I'm bored, you know, the conversation. And I go to the piano and I started reading off, but with one finger, of course, mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of like... So she thought I was a prodigy, you know. She was like, she's a genius. Look at this. This is impossible. And I was like, no, it's my grandfather. (laughs) And then I got into the National Academy of Music. Starting that young? Yeah. So you went and did all your primary school was through that? First grade through eighth. Wow. Are you a pianist today? It's in there somewhere, right? It's It's somewhere. somewhere. It's somewhere, but... The, the the issue that I had was that my my parents kind of a little bit forced me to just stay with classical training. I really wanted to learn jazz. I wanted to go out and have fun with my friends, and I wanted an electronic piano. And they're like, no, you have to do the classical first. And um, it was way too much for me. It was like six, seven hours a day I play when the other kids are having fun outside. And mm. I was the top pianist for all this time. I played Beethoven and Mozart like this with closed eyes an hour and a half going through a few sonatas Did you ever learn the names myself. of the notes or did you always stick with Do, Re, Mi? Oh, yeah. Uh, you eventually have... learned to read music? Of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I figured... mean, it's Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, Yeah, you weren't si, playing do. the key of C and Do, Mi, So. <laughs> no, it's so hard in America to switch because it doesn't even start Do from A. It starts from C. Right. Yeah, so it's like... I, I, I think. I don't know. It. Richard yeah. would know, but he's still... <laughs> Sorry, what was the... <laughs> you know, do, is Do, C, in the key of C on the piano if we're saying Do, Re, Mi? Uh, it is in any key because it's just the... It's the words so for like an octave So in the key of D, the first note would be Do. If you're in C, oh, Do would D. be C. Okay. If oh, you're C. in the key, okay. it depends on the key. If you're in any key. key, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it takes me a minute to... <laughs> I don't even know if I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's a deer. <laughs> you um you came from a long line of muse of artists, right? Yes. Like you are you are the next in a long line of artists. Give yes. us the short version of how far back that goes and what people were and did. Yeah, well, I I knew my grandparents through my through my mom a lot. Uh, we weren't that close with my parents, my father's parents. Um so yeah, my grandfather was a conductor and director. And uh, my mom was one of the most famous actresses from my country for about 35 years. Um, she was in a theater called Sozai um, Smiak, means uh, tear and smile. So stage theater. Uh, stage theater, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and my father was a director uh, at the National Television for the same time. And he traveled, he won a bunch of awards for his movies which are one-of-a-kind films. Like, he takes a musical artist and creates, like, 10 music videos within it to make a movie about them. Takes the songs and makes a movie. Mm. And um, 
he became famous because um, effects were not that famous yet. So he came in and created live, live visual magical effects without effects, without digital effects. Mm. So he had like a hundred people come in with flashlights and create this, you know, lighting. And he went in, in, in the caves and nature in Bulgaria, which is spectacular, um, and shot in there. And it's so very unique. Um, were yeah. you aware that the family that you were around were kind of different because they all did this sort of thing, like as a yes. kid? Yeah. Yes, yes. Seems yes. like it'd be hard to miss. Yeah, <laughs> um, I grew up in the theater. My mom mm. refused to take a year off. So you spent a lot of time backstage. All of it. Walking all across of it. the creaky boards when nobody was there. Exactly. <laughs> I've watched the show for three, four, five hundred times mm. because each show, it's not like America. We only have 10 theaters. And um, it's salary, and um, that's it, you know. I mean, my mom my mom also did a lot of voiceover work, so we could hear her on the TV. And so it was a thing in, in stores or doctors or anything. It was like, oh, she's, you know, silver and her voice, and, you know, we listened to her. Mm. So we weren't very rich uh, because, because nobody's reaching communism. We had a comfortable life. But we did have a lot of perks, like my mom could get uh, bananas, you know, when we were growing up, which we didn't have in the country. And, you know, a little bit of perks because of who she was. And, of course, they recognized her on the street. And hmm. and I just watched the theater and uh, watch every show at night. And at the end, people come and bring her. Like one time, I remember this lady was like, I don't really have anything, but I want to give you something. And she just like pulled a little chocolate that she had. And it's like, that's the only thing I have, but I want to. You know, so, mm. yeah, there was a lot of attention. Let's do your first song. I've got so many right. more questions, but we can't go on forever. So let's do your first song. It's a um, song show, after it's all. It's a song show. So um, this is a Bulgarian song. It is a Bulgarian so, song. So uh, how, how do you say its name? Kletva. Okay, just like it looks. So what's yeah. the story? Kletva. Or do you want to just listen to it? Up to you. Maybe for this one, I'll tell you the story because it's in Bulgarian, so it's going to be hard to um, to understand. But... Through my parents, um, my father was on a national television, and we were able to go to kids' camps, winter and summer. And basically, we went the same kids every year for like 15 years. So we grew up together, you know, and that's the only time that we could do things that, you know, are not good to do in front of parents. <laughs> you know, first kiss, first cigarette, first anything, really, mm-hmm. anything. So um, leaving those camps, you know, we were crying for weeks and holding on to the bus and each other. What were the camps like? Was it like a like what we picture here as a camp where you're staying in cabins or something? It's or? one building. Summer, okay. The summertime m- m- were more cabins, but um, the winter camp is a beautiful one building and only the three buses come in and all the kids, it's all ours, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we overlook the mountain. It's further away, maybe like half hour away. So we ski there. We learn how to ski. Wow, that sounds like good times. And it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. We did like Mr. and Mrs. Camp and, you know, like all of these stuff. Um, so, yeah. Um, so it, uh, we also did something where we loved each other so much and we thought that there's nothing, you know, more than life, but these friendships, like kids friendships. And we learned about the blood sisterhood. So we were really doing these like very little. It's not like we cut out veins, right? But like we did like on the palm, like a tiny little dot of blood. And then we cross each other's hands and we listen to the song and it's like we're forever sisters and brothers so this is a little bit of the story and it just means so much to me because then you grow up and you're like okay well that was such a big deal at the time but now it's like more connections and more everything is more but um when we were kids that just was the most magical time (laughs) and this song was a song that you became blood sisters too yes why this song well, that's what the song is. Come oh, that's say. What... It means like I'm swearing for I death see. and life. We would be together. I, I spill blood. You know, the whole song 
means that. Like it's a ritual of, you know, becoming a soul, sister or brother. Let's listen <laughs> to it then through that lens. This is Fantastic. Evgenia Radilova's first Thank song you. today on Three Song Stories. This is Kletva. Kletva. By the Bulgarian musician Kirill Mariko. You are. That seems like it affected you a little bit. Yeah. You, you're, you're a little welled up there. I am. <laughs> <laughs> good memories, good memories. And just to hear the Bulgarian in the song, you know, um, as I said, I appreciate it more now than before. And the amazing guitar solo. I mean, that was, they were shredding in that song. Aren't they amazing? We have amazing musicians. We really do. Um, yeah, thank you. I'm glad I like you that. Liked That's my it. first Bulgarian song. Yeah. I really Yay. enjoyed it. <laughs> do you stay in touch with any of your blood sisters? I do. Oh, yes. yeah. Yes, well, you got to yes, share yes. this with them. They're going to love hearing yes, this story. Totally. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more, it's funny, but it's more blood brothers at the time. But <laughs> I, was, I was somehow like hanging out more with, um, boys um but yeah um someday you could make like a camp movie and that could be like a pivotal scene yeah i could yeah. see it and yeah. that song I could see it too. The, the, the whole the, the whole like i mean we were like going out from mushroom trips and just getting lost and skiing and getting lost and you know, doing these, like, I mean, cigarettes are not great and to promote at all. But, like, you know, we were doing this um, 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 pass around the cigarette and then whenever the ash falls, like, one can, like, you know, it's like spin the bottle, right? Oh, it's like spin, spin the bottle, the bottle so with a like, cigarette and everybody's got an <laughs> ashtray mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And we're there. Yeah, it's very Bulgarian of us. Um, but, yeah. Great, great, great memories for life. Hmm. Um, so you said you did the piano music school till you were eighth grade or thirteen. Eighth grade. So then, did you go to normal high school? Yeah, or? I have another story for that. Okay. So, what was your high school time like? Well, I do, I'll get there. But uh, so at eighth grade, you know, I was literally the top pianist in school, and um, I was. I was shriveling on the inside. That was not what I wanted to do. My mother was an actress, and I was like, guys, like, how could you put me in something that's so stationary and repetitive? And I was just not happy at all. So I did one of the bravest things of my life, which I have no idea how I did, but I went at my big, big exam between 8th and ninth grade where you get 9 to 12, and I played every single note wrong on purpose. And I could feel my mother, like, raising up, changing colors to blue and black. And, you know, and she even yelled, like, what is going on? Because I'm perfect, you know. And they kicked me out of school. And I was the happiest person of all times. <laughs> that could be another scene in the camp movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think Evgenia would get exactly. along with um, Dongjing Kang. We had, a, we had a former guest who grew up in China while they were, like, hardcore communist schools. Mm. And... um she would break out of the school at night to sneak around town and her her i think teacher or her school administrator said that she was a weapon of mass destruction because she was just uh, even at like 7 or 8 she just had such a rebellious streak mm-hmm. i love it we'll be best friends <laughs> so you so you played all the wrong notes to yeah. do what you needed to do yeah. to break free and then so what did you do like what did you do next? You yeah, just so went to like normal to high school? Yeah, so kind of leads to the next school? song. Um, first of all, they, we tried with sports, and then I did... Um, what sports? Running. Running. Running and tennis. Okay. I was a good tennis player. I um, was competing for a minute. And then my dad again decided, like, I, I couldn't just be a normal kid. I just had to be a genius for my parents for anything. <laughs> and then I one day I was running in the stadium, and for a joke, I was like, Dad, like... Measure the time I I run and I just I ran this thing like like record record numbers and then again like my dad was like oh we should make her um, runner and I didn't survive for too long even though I love sports and um, and then I went to a simple school which um, was the most horrible time of my life you can't even imagine what a you know um, 
communal school in Bulgaria means. Like I see, you were going from a school where they took care of you pretty well yeah. to a school that you know was at the bottom. It's just of like the, the neighborhood yeah. school, mm-hmm. and I was very dark as as a kid, and people thought I was a gypsy, which wasn't a good thing. Um, even though I actually love gypsies, and and their reputation was you know ruined. Um, throughout time but so they called me a gypsy and because I was new they put me on the first row and um, they threw all of these gums in my hair that was all the way down to the ground so I had to cut off my hair all of it and um, it was crazy they were smoking in the teachers and students smoking inside the classroom we had these speakers talking about music that was playing music. Kids like playing music off of the building had like this. Were you regretting playing the wrong notes at that point <laughs> for a little bit maybe? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, I quit and I took two years for one. And I graduated without a prom or anything. Just I took oh, my you test. Just, you just burned right through and got out right of there through. as fast as possible. Yes. And then was like... Oh, maybe we should make her an actress, you know. Um, and then um, I, I uh, you know, um, submitted to the National Academy of Dramatic Arts. I got in. I got into the school in New York. No, still in oh, Bulgaria. Oh, still in Bulgaria. Still Sorry, you get ahead of the game it's here. Okay. okay. Still in Bulgaria. Um, I got into the school. I was my second year was there. Then I, then I was very lucky um, to become a part of one of the biggest TV shows in Bulgaria called Masters of the TV. I read that. I wanted more details. Yeah. I get them now. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what was oh, that all know. about? That was such a fun, What kind of show is that? Show. It, 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 it was a show. Um, it's almost like bloopers. You have something like it here, but um, 220 people or 120 people watch constantly live television and catch the mistakes and we make fun of them basically. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in Bulgaria that's like that's very serious because television is education. It's not there to just do anything you want or say anything you want and that happens a lot. Uh in Bulgaria as well as politician and uh, politicians and corruption and all of that. So we um, gave uh, the skunk's butt. It's like a sculpture, a golden statue skunk's with a skunk butt. and butt with a tail that stinks. And that's what we award, you know, people that really messed up okay. on live television or politically. And we were reenacting these situations. So we had two guys that were the main um, speakers. And they were one of the top actors for Bulgaria, comedic actors, fantastic uh, people. And we were the sort of like the adrenaline girls that were also dancing and reenacting some of the situations. But that show was uh, Monday through Friday every night from 8 to 8.30. Wow, that Um, seems like that'd be a grind. Right after the news. Well, we shot every Monday five shows for the following week. Okay. So it wasn't that bad at all, and um, it just brought a lot of popularity um, to me, which was amazing, and just like hardcore education. Yeah. I was really getting Because you would have been, what, 17, education. 18, exactly. 19? From 18 to 21, okay. I did the show, and then I... A lot of things happened with the show. They had to change. Uh, every three years now, they changed the team. And uh, that's when I received a green card, and I just had to fly to in order to save it. Um, flew on a plane to New York for the first time in my life. I never what was year on a would plane that have been? Before. I'm trying to think of what it was the 2005. era. Two thousand five. Okay, two thousand five, yeah. New York. Okay, eighteen years ago. Were you um, had you you never been had you ever been out of Bulgaria even? Mm, well, very little. I've been everywhere in Bulgaria. I went for five days to Vienna driving. Uh, I went to Macedonia for amazing concert of Stereo MCs. That was my <laughs> first concert ever, um, and that's it. I didn't travel a lot, so that was my first plane ride. 
What was your first impression of New York City? You flew to you went in, you moved to to New York City. Mm-hmm. Like you flew into like JFK and yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. I found my first penny. <laughs> my mom was like, "When you get there and you find a cent, that's like." Do you your remember luck. the first time you smelled New York? You're like, mm, New York has a smell. <laughs> I, I I don't remember that, but I know what you're talking about. Definitely. <laughs> um, no, I felt home, home, home. My father at the time was um, in New York, and he helped me kind of situate me for the first year before he came back, uh, went back to Bulgaria. And uh, the first day he, you know, got the taxi through Times Square and Rockefeller, and I just felt home. I just felt home. Did you have a place to did you had you already gotten into a school or something there or did you just go there and like I'm going to do it? Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know what it is. Green card. I was at my seaside when my mom was like, you know, you have to come back early because you got a green card and I was like, I'm not coming back from my seaside. You know, I don't care. And of course, she made me, you know, I had no, no, no idea. Um, But I knew that there is more to the world. I knew that I wanted to reach bigger heights. And uh, Bulgaria sometimes could be very depressing and dark and just not inspiring, not positive thinking and not not a lot of that. Again, now it's better. The younger generation is really feeding feeding more lightness, more positivity, more joy. But back then it wasn't great. And because I was famous, I was very um, uh, envied by people. I wasn't appreciated. I was just like, hmm. Yeah, you know, famous so, in that kind of environment would be awkward. Yeah, and then in my academy, that was the only person who was not going Mondays to class. And I was let go. But my classmates didn't like that. And um press was coming in knocking and can we just have any for five minutes for interview you know and I go out so yeah I just felt like um, I felt very constrained and I felt like I've reached the top and I feel like I've prayed to my angels to you know to help me out uh, of this but I never imagined America (laughs) so what'd you do in New York like once you got there did you get a job did you you know what'd you do well um, I moved to the Bronx, the last stop of four train, which was insane. And so after a few months, I had zero English, right? So I came with, oh, I so don't speak English. Oh, you came with English. no English. Zero. Wow. Zero. We f- studied French and as very young kids. I don't remember much of that. Um, and then, yeah, because I was in mu- music school, so everything was music, music, music. Um, but I spoke zero English when I came. And um, I found a couple of jobs. One was a hostess in a restaurant through a couple of Bulgarian friends that were also working in the restaurant. Then was it a Bulgarian restaurant? It so was an Italian could, restaurant. Italian restaurant, okay. It was an Italian restaurant that was very famous, small, called Boom Restaurant in Soho. Um, so basically I worked there until maybe 1 a.m. or so and then two and a half hours to go to the Bronx at that time on the train. And then I started studying ESL, English as a Second Language, at Hunter College. So I get up at 6 a.m. and go to class at 8 a.m. And that was just uh, for a long time. But how I really learned English was at this restaurant because after a while, you know, I was like, I think I could waitress. I mean, they make twice as much money than I. Why am I just going to smile here at the door? And then I I told, you know, my boss, I was like, I can make it happen. I can make it happen. And I put all the vegetables and, you know, like by the, by the machine where you enter the bill and everything. I had like a dictionary with all the words that I had to. Parsley. I mean, it's McDonald's in my country. Like, how am I going to remember parsley? Lemon <laughs> is lemon. Okay. Cucumber, okay, you know, but there's some words that have nothing to do with each other. And um, I have another story at the restaurant where, you know, they were asking me for the oil plate. Um, You know, it's an Italian restaurant, Mm -hmm. so they dip the oil very, very new to me. But the guy was asking me for butter, 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 butter. And I'm like... I'm like, yeah, sure, sir. I mean, I was definitely the most entertaining <laughs> wait- waitress because I was like turning around and going with energy and spinning and 
what would you like? You know, I'm very enthusiastic, but <laughs> brought every time the wrong wine, the wrong thing. It just didn't work for me. And then I thought it, he he's looking for some special balsamic. You know, I bring him three bottles with something. He's like, no, butter, please. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And he's like, butter, you know, and this is like, I'll never forget that word. <laughs> and, he, you know, so um, so I did that for a while, but um, I didn't survive. And then I was giving flyers for a job an hour and a half away somewhere in New Jersey. And then um, and then I saw these 15 fire performers come in and do the show and my jaw just like went to the floor and back and I was like I can do this I love fire I studied I taught it in I, I studied how to do it in my country but self-taught nobody's doing it and I fire dancing no you one's taught, doing you said fire. I'm gonna teach myself fire dancing yeah because I yeah, saw these yeah. tourists in the center of town who were swinging these balls of fire and I went to them and I was like what is this I love fire so I bought it from them I bought a pair of poi and I had this with me, and what it was made out uh, out of was jeans. And when I came to New York, I learned about Kevlar. And what Kevlar is, you have your bowl there for like five years to reuse. And with jeans, you cut you your get, jeans. Yeah, yeah, you go through a lot evaporate. of jeans. <laughs> so yeah, so then um, then I connected with these people, and they invited me immediately to three different jobs with fire and then I just started working so hard uh, with this because it was just a lot of work I made the most money ever uh, you were able to move a little, little couple stops closer after after <laughs> a year I met um, I met um, my boyfriend at the time and we moved together in Brooklyn and um, I started working in the best high-end cabaret, theatrical spaces, speakeasy, and nightclubs uh, with the fire. And then after a year and a half, I got tired. You know, you sleep. It's a night. It's a nightlife job. So I got tired, and um, I decided that I need to go back to acting because. I wanted to learn the American way. I wanted to learn the simplicity, this ease that they have. And um, I was really still terrible with English and grammar and all that. So I was like, I don't know if I could do the TOEFL thing, <laughs> you know, and I don't want to go back to school for so long. So I found the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, I didn't need TOEFL or anything, so they accepted me. I studied for two years. I graduated with the Golden Medal of the Academy, um, the Charles Challenger Award that Catherine Hepburn has, uh, Adrian Brody, Danny DeVito, like people. You won another award too, right? Was it Char Charles Jellinger? Charles Challenger. That's that's it. That's the that's one you the just one. said. Sorry, yeah. no, no, my bad. <laughs> Charles Challenger. He's uh, an actor from <laughs> from the old times that created that. And then I did there. I was invited by the school to do their company. It was only 20 people. And um, I did four leading roles. Um, usually do you do two small roles, two big roles. And somehow, you know, I had Abigail from The Crucible and Kinder Transport and a um, couple of more plays that I have huge roles. So, again, I got into this, like, why she has this you know, more roles than I think. And people were like, oh, you're never going to get an an agent. You got an accent, you know. And I got two agents. I got a commercial <laughs> you agent. You just drove people crazy, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know. I did not mean to. <laughs> but, but you're just doing, you know, everybody <laughs> just wants to succeed and you're yeah. doing it. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Let's do your second song. All right, And then we'll, we'll pick up back All on, right. on some other stuff. Acting stuff. Amazing. This is the Coolio song, right? Oh, my favorite song of all times. Okay. How yeah. are we going to go? Are we going to listen or, or talk? Well, we can talk about it because I already mentioned something about the school. Um, I just love this song. It changed my life um, because I do love to help people that are in danger or, you know, they're misunderstood and this movie really just changed my perspective. Um, What's the movie? 
gangsters. I That's mean, the name um, of the movie. Um, Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds. Okay, Dangerous yeah, yeah, yeah. Minds. Michelle Pfeiffer, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, it came yeah. back to me. At first yes. I was like, I don't know where we are. Okay, so continue. Yeah, so it, it, I was watching it at the time when I was in this school where I was perceived as a gypsy and these gums were thrown into my head and I was like literally like physically abused and it was just insane. Um, so I watched this movie and I, you know, I just fell in love with it. I have a little less of a story with this one, but it's more of um, I, 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 I wanted the good in people. I wanted to. I've always wanted to help people, even though now I have a thing with me and cash in New York. I just don't carry cash. It's just because I give it away. Mm. I give it away everywhere. And there is no like, oh, I have five bucks, but I'm not going to give you away. It's crazy. I just give it away. And I say, no, not anymore. Um, but um, the character of Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, was able to transform these kids in time. However, it went through so much trouble that I just wanted to sort of be like her. You know, I wanted to be like her. I wanted to spread the goodness um, and I just love the lyrics of the song and um, the movie and yeah have mm-hmm. you listened to this one since then? I have. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio uh, from the 1995 album of the same name. This is our guest today, Evgenia Radilova's second song on this week's episode of Three Song Stories. We still are having these issues. We're still having them in America. Now, you know, racism in Asia is just, it's just mind-boggling for a 21st century um, and I think it's veg- very educational and um, can teach you a lot if you listen to it <laughs> um, take it in <laughs> probably no parallels necessarily here but you've taught some you're a teacher you just yeah. were in China or something teaching right yes yes I went to China three years ago now before okay, COVID so, okay, before COVID gotcha. three four years ago but I went three times in a year and a half and I um, was very lucky to meet a crew that was doing a private school of um, acting with English. And I went. I didn't know that I could teach. And you learned enough English that you could go teach in English. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a while. <laughs> that was like at least I was here for 10 yeah, yeah, years. Yeah. Um, but it was... One of the most life-sharing experiences for me because I really reconnected back with uh, how I grew up and the fact that, you know, I had a solfege teacher in school, in my academy, in piano, where I was just bad with my ear and I couldn't remember these dictations, right? She plays like chord of five notes and then you have to write it down. She was like, oh, you have no no ear, you have you can't sing, you have no voice. And I grew up with that. I literally grew up with the f- idea that I cannot sing. And I came to America, I saw this amazing woman. She gave me really cheap classes and I started opening my, my voice a little bit. And I was like, wait a second, I have a voice. It's not Whitney Houston, <laughs> but I have a voice. And so, and so when I went to China, um, these children did not breathe, did not open their eyes. They were just like a rock, like frozen, just like, yes, sir, yes, sir, you know. And after a week um, spending time together, they loosened up, they cried, they laughed. Um, I kept telling them, you're beautiful. What do you think about that? It wasn't so much about who knows what I've learned, taught them, you know, but I asked them what their opinions, how they felt, how would they do it? And that was never a choice for them. So it really quickly switched them. Um, One girl, I kept being like, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. And then one morning she comes before everyone and she's like, oh, Ma'am, Miss, um, you say I'm beautiful, but I never find myself beautiful. And this morning, I look at myself in mirror, and I'm beautiful. And then she starts crying, and then I start crying, and it's like, wow, the most amazing experience of my life. And um, I also started to direct there, I'm teaching into a a play. We did Midnight Summer's Dream, 20 minutes long, simplified English. 
But I felt the power of directing as well and being able to create the show out of nowhere. Um, so the workshop was so successful. Parents were just kissing my feet and my hands. They were like, they were private school kids. They were more advanced. Uh, the the parents were, um, you know, well financially. So they were more open, I guess. You know, they wanted their kids to learn English. Um, and they invited me twice more to go back until COVID happened. Um, I did another theatrical workshop and then I did a film workshop because in New York, I was a mentor for maybe 12 years uh, for a nonprofit called Mythic Bridge. And we taught poor and homeless kids how to make movies for free. We go to the homeless camp or we find them somewhere and we, we go for the weekend and we shoot a movie with them hmm. and they do all the parts and everything. So we've gone through maybe 50 films throughout throughout these uh, um, this time. So one of the people that um, that came to China with me is my, you know, one of my best friends who is a cinematographer and a, and a, and a, and a writer as well and who um, was the main mentor. We were mentoring together at Myth Mythic Bridge. So we, take, we took the Mythic Bridge f um, formula and we applied it to China mm -hmm. and we, we, we taught them how to make movies. We made two films. One of them was 20 minutes, hmm. sci-fi, and one, you know, dramatic story that's like maybe nine minutes. We did them both in like two weeks um, together and and was really well accepted. We were able to do like a film. We were visiting a few universities that they watched the movies and we had Q&A. And people are saying this is not Chinese students. They they act uh, yeah, yeah. natural, you know. Like so, that was again something um, amazing that happened in my life that opened a you lot. You were of somebody's Michelle ways. Pfeiffer. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, <laughs> yes. So many people over there, even the the adults. I uh, one one day, you know, one of the main girls, uh, an older, like twenty-something student, comes in and she cries and she says, "I don't know what to do. I feel so great in your class, and you know, I feel like I matter and I have an opinion. But what, what, you know, what do I do when I go back to this class that this person doesn't give me, you know, that and just tells me how to be and do and." I was a little ruthless at the time. I was like, you stand up for yourself and you tell them, you know, that you're not going to treat me like that. And she says, I can't. I will lose school. I would. And then I was like, okay, you don't have the right to come here and tell these people <laughs> so frivolous <laughs> that they can do this yeah, and that. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, I said, okay, what you can do is these people that are together here with you stay together, do side projects, you know. And so on. But, um, yeah, so maybe mm. I was somebody's. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about your new movie. So, mm -hmm. But we don't have enough time to go through in detail your movies. So sure. I'm gonna, we're going to go past it. Like what was the first film that you made or felt like that was your film? Because you've made some films, right? Yes. I, my first was a music video, which, okay. uh, which I was there just to teach the person to do fire. Um, and the director dropped out and I was just like this little pink. I was like, I'll direct it. So we did 20, uh, like 200 bucks for pizza and water. And um, we did this. Uh, we won three festivals. We couldn't believe the product. And then I just went completely nuts about production and creating. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a movie called Patrick. Um, I became an actor studio member. Um and I did a play with the Ellen Burstyn. I played her daughter at the Cherry Orchard. And at that play, I met Patrick Baldoff, a Broadway star. Um, and I fell in love with him. And I said, oh, my God, the story that I wrote one, you know, time in Bulgaria about this old man who can cross the street and battles with the light turning red and, you know, green, like too fast for him. He has to go back to one and can't cross the street. I said, I'll develop this for Patrick. So I did that. That was my first movie, 10 minutes. And that won nine awards from from festivals around America. And I just couldn't believe it. And then I wrote another short. Um, they're my, my projects. Then I directed a couple of um, other people's work. And then um, now I've produced 
cast and star in the biggest project of my life, which is called Lost Cause, which would be at the Fort Myers Film Festival, which is the best festival. In May? <laughs> in May. May. And it's got the best it, judges. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does have the best judges. <laughs> um, and it's a feature. It is a feature. And there's a trailer that makes it look like this is serious business. Mm-hmm. What's yeah, the, it's cause, like cosplay, C-O-S, Lost C-O-S, Cause. C-O-S, So what's lost the premise? Cause. You don't have to the, give it all away, but what's sure. the... Sure. Uh, the premise is how becoming a different character can save your life from trauma and, and demons. And my character had a really difficult childhood. She falls in love and this person she falls in love with introduces her um, to the cosplay world. She always wanted to be eccentric and wear, you know, fun costumes, and her mom never, you know, um, allowed that. So without giving too much away, um, something happens to the person that I fall in love with and becomes my mission to truly um, embody this character that, she showed me, which is this vampire. And um, it's basically the origin of a self-made superhero. And uh, my character overcomes her fears and and, um, uses fire and whips as real weapons, which is something that I do dancing. And you didn't need a stunt double for your fire and your whips. I did not need any stunt doubles (laughs) and everything is no effects, no nothing, um, very original. And um, also, we created the first cosplay club um, in New York City Hmm. um, because we thought that cosplay is underrepresented. I didn't know a lot about cosplay. I thought that I don't want to be like somebody else. And I'm like, I'm an actress. I just want to be authentic, you know. But I went to a few of the conventions, and I look at these costumes that the people build, and I'm like, listen – you're a builder, costume designer, performer. I'm like, how did you do that? So I I was fascinated by all the different things people do to create one costume. And um, I, th- I thought that I could do something and help in some way. So we started doing um, the live version of Lost Cause, which is called Cosplay Club USA. Uh, we've had about five parties in New York, and it's... Um, really well accepted. Hopefully we can do a cosplay uh, party when we also show our movie in May uh, here in Fort Myers. Um, did, so you tapped into a group of people who can kind of be their own costume designers for this film. That mm-hmm. must have been a, a good way to make a film. You know what I mean? Yeah, like You didn't only... have to hire a team of people to turn these normal Cur- actors into, mm-hmm. you know, superheroes. Yes. You had a bunch of people who'd gone the extra mile to be superheroes. Yeah, absolutely. We had an amazing costume designer, uh, Patrick St. John. Um, I have to say he really helped for the my my costume, yeah. a few I don't of the original throw down characters. The, I don't want to say you didn't need a costume designer. <laughs> of course, of course. But the, but the most amazing thing was that um, I casted all of my performer friends and um, w- one more person was actually uh, the the link to the cosplay community. I didn't know a lot of the cosplayers, but I did know a lot of the performers that I know, which do create their own costumes. And they were able to let us in their house with their wigs and their costumes. And th- that was that was uh, that was the gold in 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 the movie. The people are real. People are underground community. They're best performers in the world, and. Um, they're my friends because I've been doing that for 15 years. Hmm. Must have been a fun set. It was so fun. <laughs> it was really stressful as well. Well, sure, sure. Um, because, you know, but it they're was... they're stressful, it's not fun. Yeah, and they're stressful, exactly. it's fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the movie's just beginning its journey. Um, the first festival that got accepted was Chelsea Film Festival, and we won the Audience Award, and I won for Best Actress, which was totally... Surprising and amazing. Um, 
And, you said the um, Chelsea Film Festival. Chelsea Film Festival. Right. In February, we're going to be at Winter's Film Awards, which was actually the first festival that I won with the music video that I created, the Fire music video. So I have a feeling that they, you know, they they were like, oh, the Fire Lady Ladies. It was so unknown, like six, seven years yeah, ago yeah. when I did it. And I feel like they've, you know, watched the progression. And, and, I, and now I bring the Fire, not just a sexy prop, but like a weapon and... It's really like a main character in the movie. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's the same festival. Um, Richard was going to say something. Hmm? I was just going to say that, like, um, it's it's engineering. Like, cosplayers, it's gotten to the point between 3D printing and just the ability to collaborate on the Internet mm -hmm. when they're like, I want to make wings that... that open exactly how do i do it like you can get find an entire message board of people who will help that person figure that out and so things that used to be like kind of hard to do or impossible or hokey if you did it look uh, like like real at mm -hmm. the conventions it's it's crazy yeah we gotta go I to agree. Mega I, I, I agree <laughs> we'll make fort myers con Let's go. <laughs> um, okay, it's time for your third song, but but real quick, how many TV shows have you been on? Ooh, uh, maybe six now. One yeah. is coming up in uh, in January, Blue Bloods. I think it's going to be the end of January. Um, for, uh, episode 14, season 13, I think. I'll let you know when it comes okay. out. Um, we just watched with Melissa yesterday, um, Law & Order SVU. was one of my big roles. Um I did elementary, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, yeah. What is your sweet spot? Like, if you had to, like, if go down one of these paths for, like, really hardcore, would it be, like, acting in film, making films, acting in TV, being back on stage? Like, what would be, like, the, the biggest center of gravity for you? Or is there... Is it's it so hard to say because before, like Ellen Burstyn says in her memoir and said to us, like, I'm just an actor. Don't bother me with anything else. Don't turn me right, direct. I'm an actor. And that's what I thought until the moment with China came and the opportunity to create. And also because New York is a um, very hard city, so I don't necessarily have jobs all the time. And so you have to balance with yeah, something. Yeah, you got to multitask. Yeah, so it comes in in, in waves. Uh, now I'm falling back in love with acting, and I feel like I've produced and created all this for six years and I'm like, okay, what is my recurring role? <laughs> right. Please. <laughs> Something set in New York yeah. where I get to do, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's it's a few few years I just get, you know, um, acting is my first love, but it seems like it's just as as, as much to um, filmmaking. Okay, time for your third song. All right. This is, uh, I didn't know who was the saying this. When I saw the name, I'm like, is that that song? I didn't know that's the person who sang this song. That's a hilarious Without story. Without you, what's the story or would you, should, should we listen? Well, I think you should hear the story, I guess, first. So, you know, when you're in Bulgaria, you think you know the lyrics of the song, but you oh, actually right, don't. Right, You're just hearing, yeah. You gotcha. just hear me be dee without you. And that's exactly what I heard. Lee-be-dee without you. And that's what I've just been singing forever. Until I came to America, I heard the song, and I'm lee be dee without you. And then all of a sudden, you know, you just start hearing things when they say, because you know the words. And I heard the actual lyric. I can't live without you. I can't live anymore. Libidi without you. <laughs> like that was, and, and it was like this aha moment, you know, when it really happens to you, you're like, oh, God, I can't believe. I would have swear by it that I know this song. I know that. And it's like how much we, how much we know or don't know. And it's just, I mean, it was one of the most funny things that ever happened to me. <laughs> um, well, you want to listen to it? I'd love to. Okay. And then afterwards, I have something we're going to play, Richard. Okay. Um, okay. This is Without You by Harry Nilsson. Is that how you say his name? I think Nilsson? so. Uh, from his cleverly titled 1971 album, Nilsson Schmilson. Uh, it's Evgenia <laughs> Radilova's final song here on Three Song Stories. It's biography through music. <laughs> Once you finally like were able to grasp the the English and the lyrics of that song, did you actually like listen to it? And you're like, wow, it's a really sweet song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> but you had totally. no idea. Like, it no could have been about a serial it's just, killer. It's, just, it's, it's amazing how just one time you just 
are able to hear it. And then you're like, oh, my God, all these years, I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> mm. um, okay, Richard, do it. Well, who is it? What's the guy's name? Does it have a name? So the guy's name is um, Adriano uh, Celentano. What, uh, what era is this? Have a this, date on it? Or, um, uh, like boy, 70s, this, this one is remastered, but let me I can find the original here. Uh, I'll look up the date in a second. Um, the, I'm going to try to say the name of this. Um, it's Prisen Colin S in. Uh, it's like a 20 letter word. And he made this the song to sound like English sounds to foreign speakers. Yeah. yeah. So Here you go. us English speakers could understand. Like, we just stay in the shoes and I will hold the scene in a whole red maybe get to Connorball's dying. There are no actual English words. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out. Is it gibberish? That's yeah, exactly yeah, how it to sounded translate. to me. That's exactly <laughs> how it sounded to me. Thank you. Okay, yeah, 1973. Like, is that a 1973. funny story? 1973. Wow. No, it's just, it's just gibberish. But every now and then there'll be one little word that sounds kind of like <laughs> something, you know. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> Oh, I think that's wonderful. Uh, okay. You ready for a speed round? Speed round? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a nickname that has stuck over the course of your life that you would yes. be willing to share? Yes. It's Any. Any. N-I. Any. And that is the name um, of my character, uh, my movie, Lost oh, yeah? Cause. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Does the character have a last name? Uh, no. No. Doesn't need no. one. Um, karaoke. Not that brave yet. Yet. Oh, uh, yeah. There's, there's a whole life ahead for karaoke. If you were a championship wrestler, what music would you enter with? Ooh, oh, something heavy metal, something steampunky. I, I, I can't say. got to pick a song. Exactly. I got to pick a song. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I need time. Um, uh, let me see. Wait, I need one second. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> we have all the time in the world. All right, let me see. Oh, oh, okay. It would be, let's see, um, Sarah Jones. That doesn't sound like heavy metal. No, it's not. I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my mind. Free me. Just Stone. Just Stone. Yeah, we're going to go with uh, Free Me by Just Stone. What would your wrestler name be? Uh, back off! I'm coming. <laughs> it would be, it would be. Um, oh, um, little big. Little big. <laughs> and, this uh, is, by the way, how my director at Lost Cause called me. <laughs> little big. Little big. Little big. Um, if you were a cocktail or a drink of some kind that kind of represented you mm -hmm. in your essence, what would it contain? Campari, vodka, cranberry, lemon, sparkly water. What would it be called? Oh, we'll have some rosemary and some... Some rosemary. Uh, rosemary, oh. yes, yeah, some herbs for sure. I like bitter drinks. Um, it would be called Universe. Mm. <laughs> The bitter universe. <laughs> the bitter universe. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a drama queen, so. If you had to guess, what would you say is the song you've listened to the most times in your life? Something from Michael Jackson. Yeah? Yeah. I love Michael like Jackson. thriller era Jackson? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I love Michael Jackson. Pick one. Pick one. Oh, Lord. What is the best Michael Jackson song? <laughs> so on the spot. Oh, you know, I, I'll, I'll change that again. I'll go with uh, Janis Joplin, Peace of My Heart. All right. I love Janis Joplin. You should Joplin. do that at karaoke. Yeah, yeah. one day. <laughs> um, if you could listen to a song for the first time again, like for the very first time, what would it be? Gangster's Paradise. Ah, okay. Um, any songs you'll avoid listening to for some reason? Um, I was a... Avoiding Bulgarian folklore for for a long time, um, but not anymore. I was hoping you had a song you didn't want to listen to anymore so I could say, it's not my cup of cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Can Sorry, I had, to do a throw, cup of I had to do a throwback. Oh my you, god! You, I actually texted Richard from the booth. Me. I said, "Cup of cake." <laughs> Said he texted it to me, and I looked up oh. and saw him in the booth just laughing. Nobody told me, huh? Oh, well, I wow, was holding that it is, for this That comes from Libby Dibby Doubt You. That comes from there. Um, if, you could, if you could broadcast a song into the head of every person on the planet at once, what would it be? Um, it would be a song that my Bulgarian friends created. It's a reggae band um and their 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 name is Root Soja, Root Soja, and um, the name of the song was um, positive, positive. So you'd be just some, doing some marketing for the band. Yes, I see. Okay, that's they're there's... incredible, and 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 it, and it's not just because they're my, my Bulgarian friends, but they sound like. Um, Jamaican, you know, they're and they're Bulgarian, and th- that wasn't very common back then. And they're th- just the best reggae artists that I've ever known. Like they're Bob Marley great. Maybe Rich will insert some here into the final product. Maybe, like maybe amazing. right now we'll be listening. Root yeah, <laughs> Jamaican Bulgarian. Yeah, Richard, right up your alley. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, if you could only have one album again for the rest of your life, what would it be? You know, I'm in love now with the new artist um, that sounds like Janis Joplin. I'm forgetting everything. Alabama Shakes. Ah. Alabama Shakes. So you could live with an Alabama Shakes I album. I could live with an Alabama Shakes. Okay. Um, what would your 14-year-old self, sitting in that first year of that horrible school, mm-hmm. think of who you are in the world and with us today? What do I say to to No. Him? What would, if they could, if your 14-year-old self could see you now and know what you've done, what would she think? She would think, I'm proud of you. Keep on going. <laughs> and if you can send back advice, what would it be? Never stop believing in yourself. All right. Well, it's time for you to recommend your three people. Okay. Uh, here, I get emotional again. So the first one would be my soul sister. I love so much and I admire so much. Melissa Haven. It's time for her to be on the show. It is. It is. I couldn't believe that she um, hadn't, you know. Well, she's always been on my I'm, list, I'm, but it's so obvious that I think I just overlooked She's an it. incredible singer and she knows how to karaoke and she needs to be here. <laughs> You should do karaoke with her. I have actually. I have a couple of times okay. on Monday nights, you, you but we like do duos. Hadn't. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. So Melissa, and, if, and you're listening right now, Melissa. So you'll be in the chair soon. I love you, soul sister. <laughs> okay. Who else? I will give you two more people, and I will give them in Bulgaria because I know that they work with music. So I think that they would uh, like to be involved. Rada Angelova is the first uh, uh, woman. She's a very good friend of mine. She's an uh, actress, uh, songwriter, and um, she worked uh, for Broadway shows like a sales agent when she was in New York. But now she's back in Bulgaria creating music, Okay. her own music. So I think she would love um, to be a guest. And uh, my other friend is an actress, um, Tsveta Dimova, with who I have my teaching company. It's called I Dare Acting Studios. Um, we have a studio in New York and studio in Bulgaria. So I think that she might like to um, jump on this as well. We could totally do it remotely, and we would love to branch out to other countries. Amazing. Um, thank you so much for doing it. It's been nice thank talking you. to you. You know, the only way we've really ever interacted before was, you know, I'm the one who collects the films. Mm-hmm. So I, I, the only thing I ever said to you was, I have downloaded and tested the film and all is well. Oh, great, <laughs> great. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so lucky to be here. You guys are very special. Fort Myers has a very magical energy, and I'm just so blessed to to be here. 
We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chenqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is our online content producer and she hosts. Our production assistant is Jared the Intern Gonzalez. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. And our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. This week's parting tune ties together a couple of coincidences. I woke up super early this morning so I'd already listened to all of Morning Edition by the time I got in my car, so I stuck the only CD I had, a bluegrass album I got from a Kickstarter I had supported by episode number 100 guest, the one and only David Mayfield. I'd gotten the disc years before he joined us on the show. It's called I Supported David Mayfield on Kickstarter. I waited literally forever, and all I got was this lousy bluegrass album. That's actually its name. Anyway, I got to work, and our very own Tara Calligan mentioned that David is coming back to town next Friday, January 20th to play another gig at the Sydney and Burn Davis Art Center in downtown Fort Myers. So I thought we should end today's episode with the song he played for us in studio at the end of his episode, my favorite song off of his album, called Be Home. Keep listening. Slow it down some. Settle down some. Good things never come to those who chase till they collapse. And I'd love to see a place where we can finally be. fire has all but died but the show it must go on so these old hollow eyes will fake it through another song just hold my hand love show this man what it feels like to be young before we blink and it's all gone I'd love to see a place where we can finally be over that's the end nailed it next time on three song stories i lived out there a week like right across from where the carnies lived <laughs>